Oh. Hi. I wasn't paying attention this time. I think that's like the third time that I've hit my mic with my mouth when I turn to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just want to get it. I hope it doesn't sound bad. <laughs> 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 oh, oh, oh. Uh, hi, hi, Emily. Oh, fuck. Is this the podcast? Maybe. I bet okay, it sounds it? sexy. Please, no. we can't go back to the hospital. I just left. Well, you're right. Don't do this to yeah. me. <laughs> I wouldn't be making you work. The roads are bad. Yeah. Again. Again. Oh, also, we have a third person in the room who talked. Hello. Oh. <laughs> I think this is... I don't think I've ever gone without you... Without... Oh, this is a great start to this podcast. <laughs> I can't word right now. You, um... You definitely have always spoken before we. We've never introduced you before you speak. Yep, that's what I meant to say. But you know what? If we did that, this podcast would be like, it just wouldn't feel like this podcast anymore. I think we'd have our shit two together at that point. Um, I'm trying to put this optimistically, to be honest. (laughs) Uh huh. It's part of our aesthetic. Anyway, this is Cat. Hi, I heard you guys needed some comic relief. Yeah, oh. we might. <laughs> did um, that's do, good. Did you do the thing? I I did a whole thing. I tried to inject some myself, but it's still a sad ass story. Um, so yeah. Okay. Did you do a thing? Oh yeah. Oh no. <laughs> yes, we're doing kind of a sad boy today. Um, who's <laughs> ready to be not okay? Woo! Everybody say uh oh. <laughs> It's the uh-oh feeling. We should probably introduce the pot. It's the uh-oh feeling. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Did we even do here. that last time? I, You know, I actually think I did do that last time because sometimes I forget. But that time I was like editing and I was like, oh, man, I done did it. I actually said what we are. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. Yes. So we're very happy to have Kat here with us so that she can inject some levity, hopefully, or just, you know, be here with us in our time of need. I'm just going to say some ding-dang words. Good. I mean, that's all we ever do, right? <laughs> so, I have yeah. to go. Uh, okay, uh, but Kat uh, doesn't know Listen, the story I typed up my notes. It's fine. Oh, so we're just going to have Kat read Yeah, I can just read it. Why, why are you abandoning us right, like this? I can't handle it. I'm yeah, especially die. the stuff where I didn't finish the notes because it's just going to be me talking. So just like Good. fill in the are blanks. Are you going to leave because I said dig dang? Maybe. Okay. I guess we should get started. Yeah, and I start. And to start off, I'm going to start with a quote oh. and a definition. Oh, no. Oh, this is no. your punishment for being rude. It's a double whammy. Kat, hold my hand. For those of you who are uh, aware, uh, <laughs> Emily starting with a quote is a bad omen. And now you know too, Kat. It's bad. I'm glad I'm holding your hand now. She's holding my All hand right. in the weirdest, most dainty, yeah, is, like golf clap kind of well. fucking. No, it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's She's not good at this. Now we're done. <laughs> Definition. Herd mentality, mob mentality, or pack mentality. Okay. I'm sorry. You said definition. And wow. Like, my brain was like, is it Fergalicious? <laughs> Make the boys go. Actually, maybe loco, depending on this. I mean, yeah, are any loco boys? Also lesser known as gang mentality. Describes how people can be influenced by their peers to adopt certain behaviors on a largely emotional rather than rational basis. When individuals are affected by mob mentality, they may make different decisions than they would have individually. Like Stanford prison experiment? Yes. Sure. Hey, yeah. no one. I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, Ooh. it sucks. It sounds like it's going to suck. Is it going to suck? The quote. Great. <clears throat> hate is a disease. And in 1930, I became sick with hatred. Oh, is this some ding dang racism? 
It's probably about ding dang racism is the thing. <laughs> James Cameron mm-hmm. is his name. Hold up. Not that Not one. Not the director, Cat. Continue. Oh, thank you. Thank I'm you for your permission. <laughs> you should be. He is way better than fucking Avatar, little bitch. Let go of my hand because I'm fucking frozen in a lake, bitch. That's true. Anyways. Fuck James Cameron for yeah, real. Yeah. Fuck James Cameron, though. <laughs> Anyways. Yes, please go on. And tell us about a good James Cameron. Yes. Thank you. He was one of nine people that I could actually find that survived an attempted lynching. Whoa. Whoa. Holy shit. I had the honor of hearing him speak in 2002. Um, he came to my middle school, and we had like just a really small forum with him. That's awesome. I was like one of like 20 people. That's cool. Can I ask how old he was when uh, he came and spoke? He was in his 90s. Damn. Because he died four years later. Wow. Yeah, he was in his 90s. Wow. And... It was, it stood out a lot because he was very descriptive in how he told the story. I don't, this one, it's just like, it's more personal, mainly because like this happened in the U.S. versus like hearing people speak about things that were happening like in Africa and surviving genocide and all of that. It's like this literally happened in Indiana. Yeah, we can't avoid this by saying, oh, it was a different country. Oh, and- Indiana? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, we all have feelings about Indiana, but that They're doesn't not excuse. Good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know when anyone was like, woo! <laughs> so the other reason, like, this story still stands out to me today is because I actually wrote about him in a paper that I wrote about adversity with being a mixed-race child in Milwaukee that won me the NAACP Herbert Lehman Scholarship. Oh, so nice. So did you get to find this paper <laughs> to do your no. research? <laughs> Damn, no. I'm just going to read off the no. sheet. Excuse me. Yeah, right. This is actually just my essay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Don't mind the 2006 of it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everyone was feeling a little 2006 about it at the time. I mean, I was an but... emotional teenager when I wrote it. <laughs> I mean, but clearly it was a good essay. Will yeah. the audience be able to tell if it's an MLA format or not? <laughs> Um, it would have been an MLA format because that was the only one I right, used. but will that translate? <laughs> <laughs> we'll just tell them fuck APA, fuck yeah. all the other. Ones. I didn't write an APA like that. Well, I mean that's like it, science and shit. Yeah, fuck no, that shit. I, <laughs> I did MLA all the way through. Like no. Um, was everybody here bad at science in school? Bio, oh, okay. no. Nice. Just flunked right chemistry. Out. Okay. Okay. I was really bad at chemistry. I was better at physics, but I was like really bad at chemistry. <laughs> physics was just here's shit, it moves, and apparently that's not good enough for <laughs> We had to figure out why. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> All right, fine. Some of us were smart in science. <laughs> and we were good at writing papers. Yep. And we were Emily. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways. Go on. <laughs> James Cameron was born February 25th of 1914 in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Oh, that's fucking rad. To James Herbert Cameron and Vera Carter. And his father left the family. He was, like, not a good person. He was abusive, and he drank a lot. So it's good that he left. Fuck that guy. So they moved. Cool. To Birmingham, Alabama. Oof. And then to Marion, Indiana. And when James was 14, his mother remarried. James was, at the age of 16, out with two of his friends, Abram Smith and Thomas Shipp. 
uh, his friends decided to go rob someone. Sure, all right. That they saw sitting in a parked car. Okay, sure. Ship gave Cameron a gun. Cameron opened the door to the car and saw someone that he knew. Um, the man, Claude Dieter, he considered a friend. He shined his shoes and he was always, Claude would always ask him about his family and like inquire about how he's doing and like just a really nice guy. That's really rough to be like, I'm about to just go rob an anonymous well, person. Yeah. And then it's, it's, just, it's someone, you over. know, yeah. And then Whoops. Be... It's someone who's nice. Oh, damn. <laughs> so Cameron gave the gun back to his friends and he left. Oh, wow. Good for him. He heard gunshots as he was running away. <gasps> oh, no. no. But he didn't stop running until he got home. Smart. Police later came to take him away. The man was dead. And his white girlfriend named Mary Ball was stating she'd been raped. Whoa. Wait. This is 1930. Uh-huh. So... Was it his girlfriend there? Yeah, in the car. Okay, so he just like they were at like a lover's lane. Oh, okay, okay. They were making out. Probably. I mean, wow. sure. It's dirty. And she, so she would be the one who identified him as the mm -hmm. third person who was mm -hmm. initially there. Great, yeah. fun. Yeah. And as we know, it really like it doesn't take a lot to get a lynch mob going, but like a white woman claims she was raped by a black man. Dude, they're dead. Yeah, mm -hmm. they're dead. That's... Even without them killing a white man, they're dead. Right. So the police came to James's house and took him. And and he was sixteen. Yes. Okay. Wow. And the quote from James is, "I will never forget my mother pleading and crying for them to take her instead of me. That's just not something you forget." Wow. Yeah. Shit. They were put into separate cells until an angry mob, which was estimated to be somewhere between twelve to 15,000 people. Whoa. Whoa. Led by the Ku Klux Klan. Of course. Came to get them one by one. Oh, my God. So they're just in, like, the county jail. Uh-huh. The Grant County Courthouse Jail. Wow. So I'm sure it's really well fortified and sure. maintained. Uh -huh. Yeah, and they bet they got them the best possible care, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. For sure. I'm for sure everybody sure. really, really tried to stop them being taken one by one. Absolutely. So they showed up with bats, axe handles, crowbars, torches, and firearms. Oh, my God. Broke into the jail. Like, broke through a steel door. Um, we're throwing rocks and shattering the windows, which was sending like all of the inmates like ducking for cover. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the door was ripped from the wall and a mob of 50 men beat Thomas ship senseless and then dragged him into the street. Um, the now dead Thomas ship was then dragged up with a rope to the window bars of the second victim, Abram Smith to his jail window. So they like, oh my God. Shit, so it was like, knock, knock. Are you there? Yep. Here's your friend. He's dead now. Oh and my then, God, horrible. yeah, for 20 minutes, people were pushing and shoving to get a look at the dead black man. Wow. We're gross. Yeah. We're and so then, cool. Uh, by the time Abe Smith was hauled out, he was equally as beat up. Um, anyone who wasn't close enough was throwing rocks at him or bricks this is not good. Someone actually rammed a crowbar through his chest several oh times. Whoa. God. Was he dead before oh. that? If he wasn't dead before that, he was dead he was by then. Yeah. yeah. They Whoa. then 
took down Thomas and then dragged both of them over to a maple tree and strung them both up. And then posed for photos. Okay. That's, oh, yeah. All right. That's why. Okay, Wait, yeah. Each one seems like overkill. There is a very famous photo mm-hmm. that whenever people Google, like, lynch mob stuff. Oh, this is what comes this up? This photo comes up. Oh, fuck. We're being shown the photo right yeah. now. Oh, oh I've my seen God. that before. Yeah. Those oh, are his it? friends. Those are Tom, Thomas oh. and Abe. Oh, that's awful. There's yeah. like a dude pointing up yeah. at them. They look terrible. They look like they were beaten to death and then strung up. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. That's fucking uh, awful. I fucking love humans, guys. Yeah. No, we're all great and we definitely all shouldn't die in a fire. White people specifically. Oh, yeah. No, 100. (laughs) So on Abram's lower body, they had taken his pants and we're like ripping it up for like souvenirs. Oh, good. Because we're all serial killers about this. And Gotta get that lynching memento. Uh, yeah. They wrapped his lower body with a clansman's robe, so it kind of looked like a loins cloth. And just loving what's in front of my eyes right now. Mm-hmm. Lawrence Baitler, who took the photo, then produced it for ten days and nights. He printed thousands of copies, which sold for fifty cents a piece. What the fuck is with everybody uh, wanting so a piece of this? We got racism and the horrors of capitalism in one <laughs> fucking go that's true it's like let me commodify this is death. terrible do you want to buy a copy because it's not people. terrible yeah so yeah why not I mean, they took photos of hangings yeah, yeah. i mean we published were... those photos i mean they they sensationalized death because the people they were killing they didn't either view as human or they viewed there was a justification for their death right and it's it's just weird to me that like people who weren't even there who pro- don't know the victim. Like, yeah, I'm people... gonna go. I'm gonna give my uh, fifty cent piece to yeah. uh, see a picture of some lynchings. Towns yep. and towns over, just being like, yeah, I would love a little memento. I'll show my grandkids in fifty years. Got any of yep. his pants left? Like, yeah, right? <clears throat> what the fuck? God damn it! So once they had had their fun and gotten their photos, they went back for James. They hadn't forgotten about him. Shit, I would be like, so he was like, when, when he was talking about it, he was talking about like sitting in the jail cell, waiting for death, hearing what was happening to his friends, hearing the screams of the crowd. Mm -hmm. Um, The quote from James is, when they got me down to street level, the uniformed police were helping the mobster members who had their robes and open face hoods on. They were helping to clear a path from the jail up to the courthouse square, which was just half a block away. And a young and one young lady was standing on the hood of an automobile that was parked on the jail lawn. And she was jumping up and down saying, kill all the niggers, kill all the niggers, kill all the niggers. Wow. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. So right before he was hanged, like they had the rope around his neck. He'd been beaten to hell and back. There was a voice of an unidentified woman woman who intervened. Are you serious? Whoa. Yep. Holy shit. Saying that he was not guilty. Uh, Frank Fonts, who was a local sports hero and like an all-American football player at Indiana Pie. University, mm-hmm. then also intervened, removed the noose from Cameron's neck, saying he deserved a fair trial, and then escorted him out. Wow. Fuck yeah. And yeah, no one was going to touch a local sports legend. Yeah, I, like true. I imagine anyway. Right. Yeah. He took him back to the jail. 
and was like, we're not touching him. And James still had the rope around his neck. Oh, my God. So he kept oh. a piece. He kept a piece of that rope. Oh, like yeah. he still had it. I mean, that's the kind of souvenir that is understandable. Like, you just like I survived, motherfuckers. Yeah. Know? Wow. I just, okay, so I can't imagine, like, those people are there thinking they don't know any of the facts. This just happened. Yep. There has been no real investigation. Nope. His name is just a part of it. Yep. Even though he had nothing to do with it. All 15,000 people all just assume. Yep. And then one woman knows the truth. Yep. It's she crazy ain't saying shit, I'm assuming. And, like, the <laughs> way he hears it is, like, it was, like, an angelic voice. So he views it as, like, God intervening and saving his life. Sure. Because there's no other explanation for it. Right. Unless this was the woman who was there. Which like, who? Mary did later testify that Cameron had, in fact, fled before the shootings and that she had not been raped. Wow. Recanted that one. Mm-hmm. Real quick, huh? Huh. After two men are dead. Awesome. Yep. God. So he served four years in prison. And then. Just four. Just four. Just for almost. Just for stopping. existing. Yeah. Just okay. for being it, there. I get like you were about to be a part of a crime. But, but he also, chose like, not to and he ran and. Yeah. He still went to jail. Four years is a long time for yeah. that. He received a pardon in 1993. Wow. I'm sorry. This what, was how long ago was this? 1930? 1930. So, so he got out in 1934. Cool, 63 years later. Yeah. Cool. Uh-huh. That's cool. a big ass number. Like, yep. Yep. Just like a full pardon, like the state like, of Alabama. Yeah. Oh, my bad, no, guys. Uh, sorry Indiana, about that. Yeah. Indiana oh, was like, oh, okay. Sorry. We're just going to, you were, that's not on your record. It never... Oh, good. Yeah, that'll mm-hmm. really do him some good. Yep. 63 goddamned years later. Yep. Great. So, after he got through all of this, he went on and became a self-taught historian, a student of the civil rights, obviously, and then a <laughs> right. uh, self-taught expert on democracy. Oh, dope. Um, during... So, so, he basically was like, fuck this shit, I'm just gonna learn some awesome shit to like yeah. like i need to make sure this people. isn't gonna happen to anyone Good for else him. yeah that's really cool and self-taught really, yeah that's self-taught. really cool I, I probably wouldn't trust institutions to tell me the things no. that are correct or that i want to know yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that's totally fair during the 1940s he founded four chapters of the naacp in indiana yes Dang. and served the anti-discrimination cause in a number of other positions he then moved to milwaukee in the 1950s because they were going to move to Canada for somewhere safer. He was getting <laughs> he was getting a lot of death threats in Indiana. Wow, still. Oh yeah. He was getting wow. he had to leave Indiana. Wow, white people didn't change, huh? Cool. They still, still haven't. Have no, yeah. <laughs> uh, there are parts of Both Indiana of I still won't go changed. to. Yeah. No. Uh, no. Nope. They moved to Milwaukee in the 1950s. Um, he worked with Father James Gropey and others to end housing discrimination in the city, which is still a big problem. Oh, yeah. Um, if you look at a map of the housing in Milwaukee, it is at this point now naturally segregated because the housing lines were so divided that they placed inner city people in certain areas. And then it's kind of like surrounded by the nicer areas. And then you get another pocket of like shitty housing surrounded by nice yeah. housing. 
correct me if I'm wrong, I think like Milwaukee, that area still remains the most segregated school systems in the country. We have a chapter 220 program Mm -hmm. where we literally have to bus inner city kids to the better schools to get them a good education. Because otherwise, like if you just drew the lines normally, like districts are, it'd be entirely segregated. Yep. (laughs) It's crazy. Holy shit. That's really I had no idea. Yeah. Because yeah. we were all real racist in that city for a really long time, like especially Still are. so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I mean, it's so better much. now <laughs> yeah. than it was. There's still a lot of work to be done, but it's kind of hard to uproot an entire city and like shuffle it shuffle all up all around. Yeah, for sure. And then he also worked on his educational efforts. He authored more than 240 articles and pamphlets before speaking to a variety of groups, both in the U.S. and in Europe. Um, In 1988, he founded the Black Holocaust Museum in Milwaukee. Oh, wow. Yep. Uh, Which, but it basically talks about slavery, lynch mobs, civil rights, all of that in detail. Awesome. And it's gained both national and international recognition and this is something he founded? Yes. Cool. Wow, what a huge badass. Yeah. This guy is the shit, man. For real. Yeah. And, like, it's not only important because of the message it sends, but it also is internationally recognized because of the soundness of the history shown. Like, they did their homework. Incredibly well-researched. Hell yeah. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, And he was actually inspired to make the museum after visiting... A memorial in Israel. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. It was like something like this we has need also this. happened here. Yeah, we need yeah. this in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Flossie Bailey. Good name, go on. That is yep. a strong, <laughs> solid name, and I would trust him with my life. Wait, will her. I? Will I? Her. I would trust her with our will lives. Will I? Yes. Yeah, okay, yeah. Then okay, She yeah. was the president of the Indiana NAACP. Nice. So she sounds powerful. She tried to get indictments against the leaders of the mob in the lynching. Nice. Uh, but she was unsuccessful. She also was pivotal in lobbying for passage of a statewide anti-lynching law in Indiana. That's good. In 1931, bitches. What? Yeah. Like, no gets more. shit done. Yes, she yeah. did. And then she advocated for a similar bill at the national level, which didn't happen yeah but what a beast I'm like just she damn yeah indiana she got that far in indiana 1931 crazy that's amazing i fucking love her man i yeah, think she does work james cameron's story like of mary bell recanting mean like no he wasn't actually like involved definitely helped just to be like, being like they were going to kill a man who hadn't done anything. Right. This is why we have uh, laws and trials yeah. and shit. Yep. For stuff like this, yes. you can't just kill people. Yes. That's murder. And I mean, there were <laughs> also at that time a lot of other lynchings that happened. Right. That never should have happened because it was later like they recanted. You're thinking of, yes, I know who you're thinking of. Yeah. No, but I'm also just like, ha- we had to pass. An anti-murder law. Yeah. That's all it was. Hey, guys, maybe don't kill each other, Kate. Hey, what if um this time, just once? 
No. We didn't murder each other without a trial. No, <laughs> like, we don't we don't know how to do that. Insane that like that had to be a law. Stop killing other people in this specific circumstance because y'all are taking advantage of a really terrible thing we allowed to happen for a really long time. Super long fuck? time. Super like the whole uh history of our country basically up until that moment. <laughs> yeah. Cause I think you you might have been thinking of Emmett Lewis Till. Yes. Yeah. Who was lynched at the age of 14 yes. for like Ugh. looking at somebody's girlfriend. That's like even in the very flawed educational system. That was in system, 1955. Yeah. That's, you learn about him because it's so late and because he's so young and yeah. there's just no fucking evidence. Holy yeah. shit. He literally like looked at someone's girlfriend wrong. Yeah. Looked at her. This and they killed him. Comfortable. It should. It should. <laughs> yeah, that one's really fucked up. Holy shit. Um. So he studied at Wayne State University to become a boiler engineer, and he did actively work in that field until he was sixty-five. Nice. On top of doing literally Holy. everything else. Wow. Get it, my dude. Uh huh. Dude does work. Uh huh. Yeah. So. So, like I said, by the early 1950s, they moved because of the threats. Right. He was married and he had five children at that time. Wow. So, they so all like, moved to Milwaukee. Not only did James Cameron get it, but he also, like, got, got it. it. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Good for him. <laughs> he yeah, also him. did participate in both marches in Wa- on Washington in the 1960s. First with Martin Luther King Jr. And then with... Dr. King's widow, Coretta, and wow. Jesse Jackson. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. He did end up writing a book. Oh, my God. On top of everything else, the in man... In 1982. The man never slept. All right. Yep. He just was too busy getting it. And... Really killing it. He not only wrote it, but he also self-published it because he, like, basically knew no one was going to publish this book for him. So, he remortgaged his house to be able to produce 4,000 copies of this book. Wow. Called A Time of Terror. And it's his autobiography. He talks about literally everything that happened and like how he could still remember the faces of like 2,000 of the white people Mm. and how some of them were eating. Some had brought their children. Oh my God. Yeah, that stuff is going to stay with you though. Yeah. Oh my God. That must have just like Time must have just stopped for him. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. So he self-published 4,000 copies of his book. Amaze. He took it with him when he went to go speak in public, and he sold it out of the trunk of his car. Oh, man. He sold all 4,000 copies. He did? Yes. In 1994, Black Classics Press republished the book as Time of Terror, A Survivor's Story. And 12,000 of the 15,000 copy run sold out in the first year. Whoa. Yeah. I want to read this. Good mm-hmm. for him, man. Yeah. So then he opened the museum. And it was the Yad Vashem Memorial in Israel that inspired him. Oh, okay. So there's a picture of James just, like, surrounded by books. Like, he made a study in his basement. Cute. He's got time just, for that, yeah. Just, yeah, For he real? didn't sleep. Yeah, this guy just doesn't fucking sleep. He's, he's, he's straight didn't. on T-series Terminator. Yeah. But yeah. like, instead of being like a time traveling assassin, it's just like learning shit and yeah. being yeah. awesome. Yeah, never stop learning and never stop like traveling around and speaking. Never he stop, was... never stopping. <laughs> he was actively working to make sure history didn't repeat itself. That's yeah. so fucking cool though. 
And you saw this dude. Yeah. Badass. That's so cool. I touched him. Did he feel like righteousness? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> he was amazing. Um, so the museum that he started, unfortunately, had to close because of financial problems. Oh. So in 2008, it had to close. But then February 25th of 2012, which was also his birthday, nice. it reopened as a virtual museum. And they are still cool. actively doing fundraising to reopen a physical location. Oh, wow. Do you okay. want to plug it? So it's https colon slash slash abhmuseum.org. So that's a- Alpha Bravo Hotel museum museum.org awesome go check it out right now they have a promotion running one of their big donors is going to match up to a hundred thousand in donations oh my god so you can go there and take the virtual tour and then donate and then donate fuck yeah that's what i'm gonna do if you got like an extra five bucks anything is good and everything everything counts pocket change amounts yeah yep hell yeah that's awesome so in 2005, Cameron was an honored guest of the U.S. Senate. Damn, Cameron. And <laughs> sorry, 80, damn, Cameron. I didn't really mean it to sound like that. But <laughs> Eighty senators passed a resolution apologizing for never outlawing lynching. Oh, here's oh yeah. the thing. Oh so, God. do you remember the last episode? Cat was on uh, where the woman we talked about that had been raped, and then like. The Senate was like, oops, sorry, here's an apology, yes. like, 60 years the later for this thing that the happened. The family way of doing things. Yeah. yeah. We forgot about rape. Oh, man. Oops, yes. sorry, guys. I'm we so forgot sorry. that was a thing. So, so uh... that happened, and he was like, okay, sure. Right. But, like, then he got the pardon from the Indiana governor, and it, like, it actually meant okay. a lot to him. That's good. He said a quote from him. When the parole board chairman told me that, I broke down and cried over the telephone. Oh. I'd been carrying that load all these years, and I didn't know it was on me until it lifted. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess as frustrated like still... as we can get for that taking such a long fucking time, mm-hmm. like, it's up to the person. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They get to decide whether they feel yeah. okay about it or not. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we. I think we talked about that in the, uh, you were also on this one, the <laughs> race riots one. Yeah. Where there was just a lot of drinking and a lot of anger. Oh, yep. I remember that. And it was, yeah, it's all that. It's like, it seems like it's too little too late, but if it means something to that person, Person, yeah, that's or important. that person's family. Yeah, if yeah. it ever gets goes that long, right? Which sucks, but I'm sorry. He was in his very late 80s when I met him. Oh, okay. Because Still. he, <laughs> I know. So he died June 11th, 2006, which I think is the same day I graduated high school. Dang. At the age of 92. Wow. From congestive heart failure. Hey, it's not you know anything. I he mean, it, fucking made it to 92, exactly. guys. That guy's a yep. fucking champion. And he, he never slept. Yeah, your heart's just going to get tired after yeah. a while. It's yeah. fine. There's only fine. so many Red Bulls you can knock back. Only so busy. many superheroes can make it. Yeah. So he did, like, have his own personal things. He lost two sons before he died. Oh, that's so He rough. was survived by his wife. Uh, there are three children, five grandchildren, six great-grandchildren, and two great-great-grandchildren. Don't Damn. stop. Get it. Get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he had That's a really so cool. big family by the time oh, good. he passed. So yeah, he's got a legacy. Yeah. That's How awesome. And he's got that? the museum. Like yeah. from being a 16-year-old who thought he was going to fucking die to yeah. like living until you're 90, was it 3? 92. 92. That's 
that's fucking incredible my yeah. dude yeah that's yeah. amazing that's real ding dang incredible good for him yeah good and job hey, james cameron don't kill people yeah maybe hey. don't do a lynching hey also maybe let's not forget to outlaw murder next time <laughs> maybe let's, i wonder maybe let's outlaw some murderings <laughs> just because you call it something different is it fuck people time Mm-hmm. I think it's fuck white people time. I think it's especially fuck white people time. And also, it's pour more wine uh, because, god damn it. Also, um, can this we... This is good wine. Can we toast to James Cameron? Yeah. To the to fucking... The guy that just got it. Just like, fucking, just fucking got, it. got it. Never stopped. To James Cameron. Ooh. Thank you for that story, Emily. Yeah. That was lovely. Was it? <laughs> I mean, okay, look. It was well-researched. It was... <laughs> I hesitate to use the word like inspiring because I feel like that's a fucking lifetime movie thing. But it was really cool to see that. I mean, he was a was really like... inspiring dude. Yeah. yeah, he had an energy like when you were in a room with him. He was just like very calm and soft spoken, but like he just held your attention. Oh yeah, I bet nothing could shake that dude after what happened. Oh my god, like, he's got water have... off a duck's back. Oh my god, yeah, yeah, fucking awesome. Good for him. We love him. Do you want to get sad for a different reason now? What's in the box? What's in the box? Let's talk about what's in the box. <laughs> oh, for real? It's a boy. <laughs> uh, whoa. Yep. So, uh, so, so, um, the thing about it is, um, <laughs> <laughs> what so just happened? So the thing about it is, um, I've done, and I sent this to Emily. Yeah. Which is why I know that this was happening. Uh-huh. I did, I did, um... A girl a in a box. Of, yeah, about a girl in a box. Uh, several episodes back now. And it's really horrible. It's like a woman who was literally <laughs> kept in a box for, for years. Months. For, like, yeah, years. actually whole years. Years. She's like a sex slave and lived under somebody's bed. Yeah. And, like, nobody knew. It was horrible. And then... Oh, my God. Today, I was doing some research. And I, I found <laughs> Some cash research sesh? Just a real cash research sesh. Um, and I found out that there's a boy in the box. And I was same like, dude? <laughs> not the same dude, oh. weirdly. Um, now, not actually, weirdly, he lived in a small place. I don't think he could have had two people in the box. Yeah, that's true. I mean, <laughs> he had someone in a box to begin with. Let's not it's take that for granted. that that guy fit a, a lady underneath his bed in a box for like in two years. In a trailer. Years. Yeah. Oh my God, it was two years. I'm going to have to go back and It's re- really fucked re- up. Yeah. Yeah. She would get it's let out. It's real fucked up. For like she would a- like clean. Yeah. She was just there to, like, clean his house, and then she would have to go in the back of the box. It was fucking horrible. Anyway, this is, like, the amount of time that this takes place over is less than that by a lot. So it's less horrible in that way. Is I mean, it? it's still some dude in a box. I do want to, just for in case somebody's, like, a really big, like, mystery, uh, true crime, even BuzzFeed Unsolved buff, there are two boys in the box. One of them okay. is a murder case from the 1950s that is, like, still unsolved. That's not the one we're talking about because this ain't a murder podcast. This be them survivor tales. It could be someday. I don't know. I mean, we'll fucking see. Maybe we'll run out. We'll run out of survivors. (laughs) Hey, guys, no one's lived anymore. We got through everyone who lived. So now we're going to do everyone who died. Okay. Buckle up. They like tried real hard to live. It didn't go well. The podcast is taking a dark turn. (laughs) I'm sorry. Just just now that was a dark turn. Yeah, weird. I feel like it's been a dark turn, the whole of it. Episode uh, one was just a sharp turn towards the abyss, my friend. That's very true. We've been staring straight into the void this whole time. Just going to drink more carnivore. And (laughs) And we are drinking a wine called carnivore. Look, we don't give a fuck. So. (laughs) 
Our survivor's name is Paul Martin Andrews. Blart. Paul Martin Blart <laughs> Andrews. Leave oh my god, I think I know what this is. Whoa! it's possible. I might... Sorry, go ahead. No, go for it. Like, if you do, like, tell me, because that's interesting. I didn't know this at all. Um, And our kidnapper's name Mm. is Richard Osley. Because the first thing we're going to do is do a little bit of background. And here, Exhibit A is a motherfucker. His name is Richard (laughs) Osley. (laughs) Exhibit A, this motherfucker. Yeah. And actually, sorry, I'm going to try my best. It's um, I've been having a hard time because his name is Richard Osley, which sounds a lot like Rick Astley. And um, this guy also was never going to give you up. But like, I'm not trying to. But he talk did about let Astley. you down into the cold confines of a box, yeah. presumably. Yes, you're both exactly correct. You can't run around so on that this one. Is, I'm going to really try to say Osley because <laughs> it's like in my head now. So. That it, chuckle fuck. Is it like the Hindenburg and the Lindbergh baby? Oh, God. Yes, it's just like oh that. God. Oh, man. Oh, God. If only y'all, every listener we had had been there. Oh, God, Kat, I shouldn't have said anything. For Kat mistaking the Lindbergh baby and the Hindenburg. <laughs> man, they do both end in Berg, don't they? <laughs> I love you so much. And they're both kind of baby-shaped, I guess. <laughs> That's a fat baby. It's a very big baby. <laughs> I flat out thought that it was like the Lindbergh blimp. Oh, right. Instead of like the Hindenburg. It really was like a momentary lapse, in, but like there was like 15 people around when it <laughs> happened. So now it's just, you're never going to not hear about it's it. Fine. No, I'm the one, I'm the idiot that brought it up. It was amazing. Okay. So it's 1961. Osley kidnapped and sexually assaulted a 10 year old boy and left him tied up in the woods. I found very little on this boy, because that's not who the story is about. How old is he when he did it? Uh, I actually don't know when Osley was like... People didn't Nobody care. cares! <laughs> it's, sure. It's, Nobody, nobody cares! He didn't... He never murdered, so he's not on, like, Murderpedia, where you would find all this r- <laughs> random shit. And, like, it's... There's a lot more about the victim than him, which is good. good. Yeah. A lot of the time, it's the opposite. So, I don't know how old he was. I don't think he was very old, though, because... I think I'm going to talk about him later in the 90s when he was like 60. So, not very old. Uh, but still much older than a 10-year-old boy that he kidnapped and I left mean, in the yeah. woods. So, this boy survived this ordeal. Osley was caught. And he served 10 years in a Virginia State prison. And then he got out. And oh my god, you guys, you'll never guess he was reformed. And everything was fine. And that's uh, the end of the story. He found uh, some Jesus. Uh, that's so nice. Good. It's been a great podcast, guys. Yep. Good to see everyone. Back All right, up, boys. Have a good night. I call bullshit. You're correct. It's weird that you caught that so fast. Mm. Um, it's funny how that whole reform thing, especially for sexual deviance, doesn't, doesn't really doesn't super work. work so good. Uh, I expect nothing, and I'm still let down. I know, right? Uh, I mean, I did do that to you. So sorry, but yeah, you're right. That's not what happened. Mm. What happened is. 12 years after he abducted this boy and about a year after he got out of prison, he just, uh, you know, did it again. Just did the same ding dang thing, except just like better plans. Emily's stare into nothingness. <laughs> like every time one of us says ding dang is epic and truly beautiful. If I just like go lay on the sidewalk, eventually I will be on. covered in snow. Mm-hmm. You and might you wouldn't die. have to is hear the word ding dang again. Yeah, is it the ding-dang or is it the subject matter? Because we can say dang-ding. 
No, that's worse. <laughs> <laughs> and Emily's taking a drink so she doesn't kill us. Oh, and she's chugging the entire glass <laughs> so that she doesn't straight up murder us in our chairs. Cool. I deserve it. So, boy, box, prison, out, uh-huh. boom, 10-year-old in the woods again. What? Well, okay, it's slightly different, but basically the same shit. So, enough of that guy, though, for a sec, because fuck him for real. Yeah, he's a motherfucker. Let's talk about our victim, Paul Martin Andrews. So Paul was born in 1959, the first of three boys. When he was 12, his parents divorced, which was kind of a big deal for their family. It really kind of fucked them all up a little bit, but they were getting through it together. A year later, when he was 13, his mother remarried to a man who had three children of his own. So it's a real Brady Bunch situation. So it's these three kids and those three kids in this house. They move from sort of a rural area of Virginia to Portsmouth, Virginia, a place that I'm semi-familiar with. I spent like six months in Norfolk, and I lived there, and Portsmouth is like like right west of it, right yeah. around the bay yeah. from it. Is Just it around big? the river bay. So actually, <clears throat> everything that takes place here is like right where I lived for a bit. So I was like, gross! Um, so Portsmouth is a bigger city, and from there, he's doing what 13-year-old kids are wont to do around that time. So he's tr- going to arcades and shit. Having fun. He's, yeah, roaming this around. Is, enjoying the, the outside place. This is the uh, Six, 70s. 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 Sorry, Early thank you. Early 70s now. You know, um, or like second favorite decade. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um. Also, kids could just fucking smoke because apparently he had a smoking habit by this point. So, yeah, cool. He smoked marbs because, of course, Paul needed money to do all that stuff and to buy those smokes. So he got a paper route. So he got to know the streets in his neighborhood really well because of that. So then, it's January 11th, 1973. It snowed and it was icy enough that school was canceled that day. So after his paper route, Paul went home to look after his siblings. And at one point, he discovered that they were out of milk, which I think for like six kids is probably kind of devastating. Because how are you going to eat your fucking cereal? Yeah, you got that through loops. Just Yeah, dude. You can't just have dry cereal. That's how I eat my cereal. All right. Well, some Get of it us... too, but when you're like... Like soggy shit. Yeah. <laughs> so he decides he's going to brave the cold for his siblings. He's going to go get some fucking milk so they can eat their goddamn Captain fucking Crunch. He, re- he recalls the store is only four, four blocks away. It's not a big deal. He's around this neighborhood all the time. This is a quote. I have a lot of quotes from him. Good. It's kind of cool. It I doesn't about... always happen. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? But he... Yeah, you'll see why. He's got a lot of quotes. So, I was about three blocks from home when a blue van pulled up beside me. Of course it's a van. Yeah, dude. It's the 70s. Mm, everyone had a van, but also most Shagging wagon. Mm-hmm. The driver said he needed help moving some furniture and asked if I wanted to make some money. I was a precocious, verbal child, and my parents did not raise me to be seen and not heard. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's awesome. I know. Uh, I was very at home around adults, and he seemed honest enough, so I got in. Look, it's the 70s. This is just what shit was like. Yeah, there was no stranger danger thing, because that was the 80s. Even though people were getting murdered at like, huge yeah. rates because oh, yeah. of this. But, whatever. but that's out on the coast. It took us a bit to figure it out, TBH. Especially, yeah. yeah like, that coast. was out on the coast. People were still hitchhiking. Shit was happening. To be fair. To be, to be fair. fair. Yeah. It was like an hour from the coast. <laughs> we should have really been The better. other coast. The other coast. Oh, the right. west coast. You're right. You know, where, like, Manson right. and the Golden State Killer. We were, like, two and, different Night Stalkers. Like, and yeah. Like... <laughs> just everything. <laughs> so, the man in the blue van asked Paul to refer to him. 
number one Uh-oh. red flag right here as peewee oh no pause for how creepy that oh, is oh no just take it all in hey can you move some of my furniture uh by the way you can call me peewee yeah i mean and now get is, in my van exactly well get in my van and then i'll tell you my name is fucking peewee and feel see how you feel but this guy pretty charismatic so he plays it off as like yeah that's my nickname everyone just calls me that quote in retrospect i believe peewee was a mechanism he used to make himself appear weak or harmless yeah so that makes sense though yeah yeah Yeah. so this man we are talking about who calls himself peewee is of course richard osley our motherfucker so it's important to note that paul is not without any uh uh-oh feeling moments like he's he has them in the course of this car ride um and it's it's important to note that because he uh, ignores them, and we should sure. uh, probably remember that we should never do that. Yeah, let's and not do that. And this is where, oh yeah. Well, and I do gotta say, he's got his reasons, and these yeah. are the reasons why people, you know, allow these situations to happen all the time, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But they're you know fair when you look at it in the moment. So he he only starts getting concerned when Osley pulls onto the highway headed east. He's like, how fucking far away? is the furniture. Mm. Yeah. So, Osley said they were going to go to his brother's house to move the furniture, and he just kept driving. At one point, Osley stopped at a convenience store to get stuff for his super not-at-all-made-up brother. Okay, regular. Was that, like, ropes and totally duct tape? Totally fine. <laughs> just a brother needing to move his shit. Don't worry about it. Definitely. You definitely want a roller dog? Fabricate him. You want a roller dog? <laughs> like, quote, He left me in the van, and as I sat there, I suddenly had a strong desire to get out and run. Yeah. And there were a number of reasons why I didn't. Firstly, I had no real idea where we were. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. This is, uh, we were somewhere around Suffolk, which, for anybody who's aware, I used to work in Norfolk and live in Suffolk, and it would take me 40 minutes to get home. Yeah, it's not quick. And Portsmouth is further west than Norfolk. Oh, so North they've been and driving South. at least a half an hour, maybe more like 45 minutes. So he's far from home. Yeah. Um, he was also afraid. I was also afraid that uh, I would get in trouble if my parents found out what I had done. And on some level, I was afraid that he would think badly of me if I took off and he needed my help. So at this point, like, He's sort of like, I'm in a car with a dude and I probably shouldn't be and we're farther away than I wanted to be, but also he d- hasn't done anything. Yeah, he's rationalizing yeah, that makes, it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He's also like 10, right? He's tw- 13. He's right. 13, but still, yes. The first boy was 10. Right. So, Paul stayed in the car. Osley was friendly. He engaged Paul in conversation. He assured them him multiple times that there wasn't far to go. Um, he even bought Paul's brand of cigarettes at the store. And eventually, they were driving on some back roads to his brother's house. Um, and they eventually came across a chain, like, that was across the road. This just happens a lot in rural areas. Like, mm-hmm. it's now private property, yeah, so they chain don't it off. go. And so, Osley was like, oh, no, this my super didn't make this guy up. It's my brother. We'll have to go on foot to his house, get the key to unchain the thing so we can bring the truck. And oh, my God. It's a whole fucking deal. A lot happened. This is where Paul's second uh uh-oh feeling happens. He helps Osley carry supplies for his incredibly real brother's deer box. His definite brother. On foot. Oh. With Osley. 
Osley says, about 20 to 30 yards away from the car, he says, I forgot something. And he tells Paul to wait. So Paul watches him turn around and walk back, and he sees him shove something down the front of his pants. And what Paul thinks that is, is this big old fucking knife he saw in his car earlier. (gasps) Just chilling. So by this point, quote, Paul was getting really nervous. (laughs) I was getting really nervous. Oh, yeah. But I was unsure what to do, and I still had a sense that I was just overreacting. Nobody really expects the worst. That is so true, though. I Super do. fair. I mean, yeah. Some, <laughs> some people who um, do this whole thing all the time and have to read about these horrible stories expect the worst. <laughs> some people don't. Right. Cat. I mean, <laughs> I, think, I think a part of your brain is like, I don't want this to be happening. I don't want this to be what's happening. Mm-hmm. So it's not. Yeah. And like, I, I don't... there's another part that's like, no, you hear about this in the news and shit. Right. Yeah. This, this isn't. Yeah. But like, I don't want to assume the worst of this person. Exactly. But you should like... absolutely assume the worst of everyone. Right. I mean. This is how you live. Especially when it's like, that might have been a knife and I'm way the fuck in the middle of nowhere. Just saying. Now, I wasn't aware that this was a thing. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But a deer box for your understanding, is like a deer stand. Yep. That's what we have here. Yep. Yeah. Instead of being Smaller. up in a tree, it's in a fucking hole. Yeah. yeah. So you literally it's dig in the smaller. ground. So it's buried, and then there's like this one little part of it that sort of sticks up so you know where the entrance is, and then you stay down there and you hide from the deer while you wait for them so you can shoot them. You play peekaboo with the deer. Yeah. And it's Which, very unfair. Yeah. Seems like it might be nicer than sitting up in a tree for like hours and hours. Anyway. So cramped. I again, this also could have just been something fucking awfully made up, but I don't know, and neither did Paul. So he's like, sure. They find this deer box. And so Osley asks him to help unload supplies into the box. And then he's like, Hey, can you come down here? I just like help me straighten up around here. And then he wants to have him move some sort of blue tarp that's around the entrance, and they're both moving it. And Paul didn't think at any point of, oh, he's, he's going to keep me in here. In fact, he thought, at least this is proof that the story might be true because he right. said there'd be a deer box and there is. So, like, that's what he's thinking. And then Paul noticed Osley's knife stuck into the side of the box. Like, he just pulled it out and stuck it into the side of the box. And Osley said, I've got bad news for you. You've just been kidnapped. <laughs> Which, whoa. Oh, I've just been kidnapped. Like, let's talk about what a shit line that is. Like, oh my God. <laughs> he had all this time to prepare, but like nothing to come up with something that was mm-hmm. actually good. It's real bad. It's a bad line. What a motherfucker. <laughs> but also, if that's actually happening to you, how terrifying is that? Oh, 100%. So Paul makes a, oh no, I'm very scared face. To which Osley replies, Wow, can't you take a joke? I'm just kidding. You Whoa. are going to Lies. Yeah. Lies. Uh, followed up with, you are going to have to stay down here for a bit, though. <laughs> Which, what? Oh, what the fuck? That's not he's, even, what? He's, he's coming at him from all different angles. Like, what? Is it a joke or is it fucking not? What are you doing to this poor child? So, naturally, this is all very confusing. And Paul has no idea whether he's in real danger or whether this guy's just fucking weird. You know, that's the problem with giving mixed signals. Yeah. You You've know, really got to be clear with your intentions. Always be clear if you're kidnapping someone. Yeah. Was that on purpose, though? I, I I like to think, like, maybe. Yeah, he was playing with him. Yeah. He thinks it's funny, probably. Because he's a he's sociopath. Because mm-hmm. he's a motherfucker. Yeah, he's a motherfucker. So, regardless, 
Paul takes up a bit of a defensive stance. He threatens sure. Osley. He's like, I I could hurt you. <laughs> like, basically, like, you know, the kid thing of like, I know self-defense. Don't come near me. Yeah. Doing what he can. Osley says, Paul, you're scaring me. <laughs> Which is like, Paul's like, what? <laughs> and it, it confuses him again enough that he kind of drops his defensive stance and is like, what are you talking about? But Paul's not really done. He sees the knife. He grabs for it. And that's when Osley gets him. He's like wraps him up really tight in his arms and says, if you grab for that knife, I'll kill you. And that's basically where Paul was like, okay, no, this is very serious. (laughs) Cool. Uh, So Osley made it clear that they were going to be staying in that box together and that Paul had been in fact kidnapped. And so for a week, for seven days, Paul stayed in that box. Osley came and went as he pleased mostly. And there were times when he would let Paul out. But otherwise, that was where Paul lived now. He was a boy in a box. Hey, an FYI for you, this is not the light. Damn it! (laughs) To be fair, I wasn't expecting this to be the light. You're right. Because you said in the chat, this was not good. No. And it's It's bad. It's very bad. So uh, seven days in a box... I'm yeah. like, that's, that's straight this up, isn't it yet. I've straight up read this article at like 3 a.m. Really? On like the like, Amazing. Check you for these shocking stories. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. This one, like, you know, lives it's up to shocking. that clickbait. Yeah. Um, yeah. The This Ain't the Light it comes from the girl in the box story. So I just felt Where like. Where she lied like, to me about the light. <laughs> that's a lot there. Look, there was no light in that story. That was the lie. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, Paul. Later, this part isn't the light, especially, is why I was prefacing it because this sucks. This sucks. I'm just going to focus on the legs of the wine. Perfect. Paul later said that Osley would rape or sexually assault him every day of that week, usually three times a day. Oof. He personally only remembers five times and he lost an entire day. In his recounting, he realizes he doesn't remember an entire day. Trauma does that. Yeah. Holy shit. So, like, Again, I I heard a lot of things straight from him. He wrote a cover story for The Hook magazine in 2003. We'll get to that. Um, And, like, his descriptions of this happening is, like, really fucking hard to deal with. But, like, I recommend looking at that story because he's a good writer and he has a lot of really, like, I don't know, visceral examples. It's crazy. Like, just his feeling of confusion of, like, why is this happening? And also, like, I didn't know that a man could do this to another man. And, like, really specific, like, young kid shit, you would think. It's really yeah. yeah. Sex ed in the 70s is sure. not, and also, like, like, a thing. Two dudes together, you're definitely not going to be talking about that. Oh, no. Like, no. Nobody. So, yeah, I would look at that The Hook magazine thing. It's called Boxed In. If you would like to just maybe have your whole life ruined. Um, what I will say is that Paul did utilize some of the like survival tactics that we sometimes talk about, Mm -hmm. um, when people especially are stuck with like a captor and abuser. So Paul realized early on that if he kept Osley talking, that he could put off the next assault. So he would just talk and talk and talk and talk. And like, he even says that Osley at trial later was like, that kid would just never shut up. This is why you fucking idiot. (laughs) But anyway... He did his best to remain agreeable. 
he was honest with Osley when he was asked, but otherwise complacent and apologetic when he needed to be. Like, all the stuff you usually hear from people who are literally just kidnapped and stuck somewhere. Say yes so you can survive sort exactly. of thing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Do yeah, whatever yeah. you need to. Say whatever you need to to keep this person from hurting you or killing you. So three days into his captivity, Osley told Paul that he had two options of getting let go. So uh, that's <laughs> He could, one get brought back to Portsmouth and tell his mom that he ran away. If he did that, he would get $50, I guess. (laughs) But also, if he told any other story, there was somebody who would be watching him and then he would need a bodyguard. That's what he was told. Like, you would need a bodyguard if you told anybody anything but you ran away. I bet it was a non-existent brother. That's the thing. That's another, that's a pretty typical tactic. They'll always be like, we're watching you. If you tell on us. That was the fucked. last box story, too. Yeah, exactly. Ooh. They're watching you. Right. This is why you can't escape. And if you do, you have to tell my version of things. Otherwise, I'll come get you. When it's like, that's never true. They don't have the resources to do that. Right. But they can trick you into believing whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, you're at their mercy. Yeah, you're so vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So, pretty normal shit. Um, the second option was for Osley to call Paul's mother and tell her where the box was so that she would just come pick him up. Osley would be gone by that time. And Paul chose that option, weirdly, because he didn't want to lie to his mom and have to come up with, like, a I ran away story when he just wasn't the kind of kid who would do that. Right. And he didn't want to feel like there was somebody always watching him. So he was like, I will do the second one, thank you. And Osley really, really, really didn't like that. So he tied Paul's hands and feet with a wire. Um, and this was one of those like little details of like, as it was happening, Paul was like, that's the same wire that they bundle up the newspapers that I, that I throw for oh my, my God. job. I know. I was like, oh my God, Paul, Jesus. But anyway, oh. so he ties up Paul's hands and feet with a wire and he beats him in the face. Ow. Osley Ooh. begins crying and asking why he didn't choose the first option. Like I'm sorry, the crazy. captor starts crying? Yes. He's crying oh, okay. so hard that when he's done beating Paul, he like has a hard time untying him because he's just like weeping because Paul didn't choose the option he wanted. Because oh this God. motherfucker's crazy. <laughs> yeah, shocker. He's a crazy person who never should have gotten out of jail. Um, but reform works. Yeah. Well, and after that, like Paul just couldn't convince him. Like He was like, I'll take the first option. I don't care. And he's like, I don't believe you. So the abuse continues for several more days. One weekend, Osley tells Paul that he has to leave him or he will kill him. Which tells you, like, the like I think he wanted to do all the abuse and he mm-hmm. didn't want to be a murderer. But the longer he lets this happen, the more he has it's to... It's going to escalate. Yes. Yeah. So he's running out of ways to get rid of him alive. Yes. Oh, that's nice. He's protecting the guy that he kidnapped in the deer right. box. because he's early in... In his spiral. And I think there are like people who recognize like, I'm a monster, but I don't want to be that kind of monster. So he was like, I am physically taking myself away from you now. So he, but he's not cool about it for like even a second. He says, wait for your mom. I'm going to call your mom and then I'm going to leave. He packs up all his stuff. He chains Paul to the inside of the box by his ankle. Okay. He did rape Paul one more time. Just an FYI. That is really horrible. But then he left. He also... You know, told Paul, just, your mom will be here in the morning. So, quote, 
The next morning, I woke early in anticipation of my mother's arrival. I never really thought about the possibility of dying in the box. In my mind, I was on my way to freeing myself. Also, for some reason, I never imagined the possibility of him just outright killing me. You're 13. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes the worst doesn't occur to you. Um, Is this the light? Is the light coming? The light is coming. I promise. (laughs) Pretty soon. She's not yet? Yeah. I mean, pretty soon I heard the sound of a vehicle coming. I was certain it was my mother because I could hear the shifting gears and my mother owned a Plymouth Duster with a three-speed manual transition. Transmission. (laughs) Thanks. But he had never called her. Instead, he is right about a car. It was four hunters in a truck who had come into the area to actually... (laughs) To actually haunt the deer. Yeah, you know, the thing that you do out there with the deer box anyway. So when Paul saw, he can see through like a little bit of the opening that there is indeed a car there. It's just not the car he thinks it is. He starts screaming for help. This is another interesting detail because he's mostly screaming profanities. Mm -hmm. Like he is just swearing up a storm. And... Uh, he says he's reminded of this every time he watches The Silence of the Lambs because when Jodie Foster finds the girl in the pit, she spends the entire time swearing at her. Like He's like, that's just very real. Oh, wow. That just feels super real, like too probably real. So the hunters find him. They, one of them goes to get the police. They tell him mainly to like just sort of stay where you are so they can see all the evidence of everything yeah. that's happening. Smart. Um. And the police came. They took pictures. They brought Paul to the hospital where he was reunited with his mother. Oh, yeah, because he got the shit kicked out of him. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's got, like, black eyes. There's pictures of him in the box. Ooh. And he's got, like, a big old shiner. Um, he doesn't look good at all. It's rough. Um, Paul was able to identify Osley from a number of photos, like, immediately. He was like, there he is. Mm-hmm. But the police had already suspected him due to his past of doing literally... The, the same, same thing. The, the same, same shit. Thing. Like, it's just so. They do that. They always have a suspect and then they'll right, stick it. Right. And then they'll, like, among... put other people in just mm-hmm. in case. But, like, right. They're hoping they know who pick. they want you to pick. Exactly. And, like, this guy, Paul says later, he's like, I don't know why nobody put it together. Maybe the police did, but didn't tell my family. Like, I disappeared on the exact same day when a guy who had done this was convicted, lived in my neighborhood, didn't show up for work. So what were we all doing? We don't know what they were all doing. It's fine. So it wasn't like he was laying low for a while. He literally just got released and then was like, I'm going to fuck up some kid. He, he Within a year of getting out, yes. And yeah, then, he got out. Oh, he okay, got a so job. it was within a year. It wasn't like the day. Right. Okay. No, he, he, he got, got a job. And then didn't show up for it on the and same then... day. Paul disappeared. Shocker. I mean, seems... Subtle. It's subtle. It's. I understand how it would be yeah, you know so what? easy to miss. Uh, yeah. Okay. You know. <laughs> Just kidding. Look, it's fine. It was the seventies. Who know? Everyone's on coke. I don't know. They didn't have computers. They had human computers. Oh yeah, they got so play like punch cards. For like shit. it was, and literal no police work. Also, nobody in the different police departments is talking to each other. Yeah. So. Like also, I doubt their employer was like, hey. So-and-so didn't show up. I'm sure they divulged that they're on parole for well, this exact crime. Yeah, and also, what were the sex offender rules back then? Did they have to announce? Who knows? I don't think so. So, who knows? Yeah, I mean, th- maybe this is all very understandable. Yeah. And why the laws are different now. Yeah. Um, 
So Paul's family and community was really supportive. He talks good. About, yeah, it's really nice. He talks about coming home and it's like mainly a good experience. He sees his siblings again. One of them was like, I saw a rainbow today and today and I knew like God told me that this was the day you were going to come home. And it was like Aww. really cute. Um, his and whole, I just threw up in my mouth. I know it's like too sweet, but it's like real cute. It's like a six year old. Oh, yeah. Pretty cute. Um, yeah. His whole church rallies around him. So it's, it's a nice experience. Unfortunately, it's not too bad, but he was briefly placed in an inpatient psychiatric facility for testing. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, and they were like, you know, when this happens, they can then turn around and lash out abuse on other children. So we need to make sure he's cool. Yeah. I mean, he was at a very formative age. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I think he gets now why that happened, but at the time he was like, fuck this. Also, you mean I don't get to go back to my family? Fuck you. In the 70s. A lot. You can just end it in the seventies, and <laughs> no, we all no. know. In the seventies, a lot of the psychologists were still very Freudian in their thinking, mm-hmm. and very locked into how all of that. And yeah. It's not as accurate now. Well, and it's not like that didn't happen. No, like, it definitely happened. I mean, if you look at the pattern of abuse, right? It's definitely usually established that they were abused and then they became the abuser to get the power. Yeah. So it was, it was actually interesting because they would, they would have him do this test where he, they would show him random photos and he would have to make a story about it. And he got mad at them because it was like, every one of these photos has to do with what just happened to me. And they're like, no, these are randomly chosen photos. You think they have something to do with what just happened to you because it just happened to you. Yeah. So like he Uh had to look back on that later realizing like, Oh, I, I was probably pretty fucked up and I might have needed yeah. that help. Yeah, there are yeah, also yeah, yeah. a lot of advancements in how trauma is dealt oh, with yeah. now <laughs> I wouldn't, versus I wouldn't. admitting someone to the psych ward and putting them through photo tests. A 13 year old kid. Yeah. yeah. I don't envy uh, anybody having to go through that at that in time. In the no. 70s. Yeah. So a few days after Paul was found, Osley turned himself in. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Because he probably knew he was going to do it again, and this time he was going to kill someone. And I can't be sure because I couldn't find it again, but I'm almost positive I read. When he came in, he was like, I'm tired of doing this. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh. yeah. I mean, he knew he knew he was a fucking yeah. monster. He was yeah. just too insane to stop and like, and it's he like, like couldn't it's, control himself sort of deal. He it's thought. interesting that he says he's tired of doing this and not like, please help me stop doing I'm, this. I'm it's just like, I'm, gonna, yeah. I'm tired. Yeah. Like, you know what? I'm over it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in, either way, he, he turns himself in and he is given 48 years in prison. Oh, so, not you know, life, not enough. Thing. Not like, yeah. Mm, but 48 years. That doesn't sit well in the old noggin for right. me. So I, I wish the story was over here, but it's, it gets better. I promise. This is now all the light, pretty much. Paul told almost no one what happened to him. He says he has a yeah. partner of 22 years who only had a vague idea. Because <laughs> he was just like, eh, no. Wait, you don't want to fucking talk about that shit? Right. And he's just, he was like, I'm getting beyond it. He said it took him a really long time. He grappled with PTSD. He mm-hmm. can't see that brand of knife without being like, I gotta go. Oh, yeah. Um, he had alcohol abuse issues, depression. But eventually he sort of cobbled his life together. He has a career, a partner. He's like a church elder. Um... But in 2002, a reporter, exactly 30 years later, a reporter contacted him to tell him that Osley was set to be freed after 30 years in prison. Only 30? 
Yeah. yeah. Good behavior. Good behavior. Oh, they, it didn't say without parole. Mm-hmm. So he set to be freed in 2002, and that is when Andrews began to speak up publicly. He took a lobbying job in Washington to advocate for victims of abuse and violent assault. He spoke and helped convince the U.S. legislature to finally pass a bill that had been like languishing in committee since like 1999, the uh, Civil Commitment of Sexually Violent Predators Act. It means if you are a sexually violent predator, as determined by the court, you you leave prison eventually, but then you get put in an institution. You don't just get to go out on the street. You are institutionalized in some way forever. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... Like, Silver lining. Yeah. I that mean, felt like gross a, saying. I'm sorry. There's like some cases where you could see that probably not being good. Like you're punishing people for things they might never do again. But mm. also some people would argue most of these people are never going to stop. They sure. Can. So I imagine that's a whole debate. Oh yeah. It's a huge whole <laughs> yeah. debate. It's, yeah. It's a whole day. I understand why thing. it's a debate too. Like there's, I yeah, get it. Everybody's going to have a different case. Someone just got paroled for a crime they committed like 67 years ago as a juvenile and got life in prison so like right right i get happens that shit but also if they have an established pattern Mm -hmm. of this behavior and it's sexual violence against minors especially it's like you got a problem dude like can we (laughs) fix that with prison probably not no so i'm just gonna go go ahead and say no yes now the thing is so because of uh, Paul's work, like helping to get this law passed, Richard Osley was in 2003 supposed to be taken out of prison, but then put in an institution. He was on the short list for the, some of the first people for that to happen to mm-hmm. in Virginia. Mm-hmm. But then he was convicted of molesting another boy in 1972 and he was given five more years in prison <laughs> instead. Was it the so, boy? It was oh, a no, totally, no, different, it was totally a different boy. No, okay. because when he says, I'm tired of doing this, like, it's he's had more than two victims. That's like what at I was that thinking. point he's had yeah. more than two victims. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That victim, That's not right. That victim who was unnamed in everything I read came forward because Paul Andrews was like, If this happened to you, you should come forward. At this point I think that Paul was just like, I'm trying everything to make sure he doesn't get on the street. Yep. If I can't pass this bill, then you're I'm gonna go here him. and then we're gonna yeah. do this and yep. then we're gonna do that. So in the end, uh Rick Osley got five more years in prison. And then against his explicit uh, questioning, like what he wanted, he was placed in a cell with somebody who had been sexually abused as a child. And that man strangled Osley to death on January 13th, 2004. So. And then a lot of laws got passed to help protect (laughs) inmates. Yep. That's like a direct thing that happened almost immediately after this. There's a uh, lot of, yeah. I mean, I, I read an article by somebody who was like, I was in for a pretty high profile case myself and I knew him and he really didn't want to be placed with that guy. And that's fair. Yep. Like he knew he was going to die. Right. Even, was it done on purpose? I wonder. It was know. strangled. No, but like, no, 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 no. I mean, like, I mean, <laughs> no, no. Uh, Accidental strangling is really Whoops, hard. I'm so sorry. Oops. <laughs> Oh, oh golly how just... did this get around your neck oh gosh oh slipped and crushed your windpipe we oh, just no. dropped that soap <laughs> sorry, and it just it coated up. the whole floor <laughs> in suds and you just whoop slipped oh, oh my god i meant like i wonder just pure conjecture i wonder if there's a possibility that like those two were room together on purpose 
I would like to when say you are, no. But you'd like to say no, but when you're a child molester, everybody fucking hates you. In prison, everybody hates including you, including the guards. So yeah. like, you so never know. that's why I'm like, I would like to say no, but probably not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who knows, man? Mm-hmm. We'll never really know. That guy was dead within a month. Yeah. So I mean, awfully, like. Dahmer also was killed in jail. Yeah. Oh, was he? Yep. Yeah. He Wait. never made it. He was the... Dahmer is the clown guy. No. no that's Keen. No. no. That's Gacy. Gacy. That's Gacy. Dahmer Stars. was the one from Milwaukee that was trying to have a sex robot by lobotomizing that's people right, in his that's apartment. Right. Uh, attic boy. Shades. Attic boy. All the shit in the attic and the floorboards, right? No. Nope. That's that's Gacy. That's God Gacy. fucking damn. No. I'm joking. You haven't become Apparently. <laughs> Either way. Who's the one that was born in lacrosse? Keen. Keen. Okay. Yep. Who then had the human... Oh, he did the, like, lampshades out of nipples. Yeah, he doesn't really okay. count as a serial killer, because as far as I know, he only maybe had two victims, but he did some fucked up shit. So I get I get yeah. my serial killers mixed up, I guess. But yeah. It's fine. Dahmer is Zac Efron. No, that's, that's Bundy. Bundy. That's Bundy. <laughs> Dahmer is the guy from the Teen Beach movie. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> we got there, you guys. We fucking got there. That was amazing. I'm so sorry, Holy people that shit. normally listen to this and are going... I promise this is almost over, everyone. <laughs> so, she's drinking the entire bottle, everyone. She and the bottle's gone. <laughs> Impressive. All right. So, when Paul was asked what he thought about this happening, happening to Osley in prison, he said, I'm still very conflicted, and I'm trying to come to terms with it. I did what I did to keep him off the street. No one deserves to be murdered crazy big thing to say about a dude who fucked that's intense yeah but you know that's his prerogative it was 30 years later and he came to where he came that's that's his i i don't think i'd lose any sleep sure yeah and you know maybe like that's also like my personality right He's like a really big church dude. Yeah, I was like, about to so, say, yeah. he seems like he had like faith just backing him the fuck up. Yeah. You know, and I think, like, especially after what happened. It's probably a big part of that. Yeah. 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 Like, I mean, he was a church elder, so I'm sure he wasn't sitting there dwelling on his hatred. No. But He's being the bigger person, I think that's it. Yeah, I can also understand the other side of it just a little bit. Uh-huh. For sure. So this is an end quote. This is from Paul. He said, when I was with Osley... He told me if it hadn't been me, it would have been someone else. Yeah. I said then, as I say today, I thank God that I was the one this happened to. It upset my parents to hear me say that. And people today don't often understand it. I say it mostly because it was an experience I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. But also because I knew inside I was strong enough to get through it. And a lot of kids wouldn't have been. That's kind of a fair thought. I mean, like, yeah. rather me okay. than somebody who would be destroyed by it. Because yeah. He clearly. Like. <sighs> I mean, he, but also, he, like, he says it's a controversial statement. <laughs> yeah. He's saying that because that is what helps him get through the fucking night. Maybe, you know? I don't know. I don't pretend to be this dude. <laughs> I just, like, I. I have like such a deeply profound hatred (laughs) Uh for when people are like well you know like i'm glad it happened to me because like i learned from that experience that i was strong enough to get through it and da 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 or like people being like oh my god how were you so strong and da 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 da, 
Because things just happen. Things just happen. Like, if yes, I firmly believe if he hadn't gotten in that van, somebody else would have. Would they have survived? We don't know. Mm -hmm. Maybe things that happen in life that you can't control Mm -hmm. and you have to get through. And people are like, oh, how are you so strong? It's like, I wasn't. I literally just did what I needed to do to fucking survive. Was some of it good? No. Right. Was it healthy? Probably not. (laughs) Yeah, no. I mean, he he says no. (laughs) Yeah. Not everything I did was healthy. But it's like, you survive. Mm Mm-hmm. And it is what it is. And that's, I don't know. I just like, I get like twitchy. Cause (laughs) like people say that to me all the time. Cause they're like, oh, cause like for anybody playing at home who doesn't know, I lost my parents and a friend in the span of six months and two days. Mm -hmm. There are periods of like the three years after that, that I just, I literally, I don't remember. I, I don't remember. And they're like, oh, you're so strong. Oh, how did you do it? And it's like, I didn't have a fucking choice. Right. It just, it happened. Yeah. And you get through it and you find coping mechanisms and you know they aren't good, but like you just use them to get to the next stepping stone and then you adapt. Mm -hmm. So it's like someone else probably would have gotten through it. They would have found a way and we never know. Right. We never know. Right. I guess I can identify with the idea that, like, he would, at this point, coming this far in his life, have rather it been him and have that certainty that he did get through it versus it be somebody else. The uncertainty. Yeah. That's what I kind of took it as. Yeah. Yeah. Just, like, if Osley hadn't said it would have been somebody else if it wasn't you, that's a different thought. But, like, to be sure that somebody else would have been his victim if not you and and to not be sure how somebody else would have reacted i guess i can understand where he's like i i will just take that and it i think you're right it just makes him feel better some small comfort yeah, yeah. like i mean i because i think i completely get what you're saying but mm. i i mm. also think you know whatever helps him get through like, yeah if you got to make him feel better fucking yeah all right think whatever you want right exactly even if it's you know Somebody else might have been just as strong, and like also just how you do what you have to do. Yeah, it's yeah. not strength. I'm it's lucky just you too. Survive. We as humans adapt. Yeah, we adapt to a lot of things. Right, but you know, if, if some adapt better than others. Yes, absolutely. And who knows? Who yeah. knows, man? We can never like. That's kind of the shitty thing, and also the point is that you can never look back and like know what would have happened. Otherwise. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah, this is just your reality. Like, it's the way it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's Paul. Jesus Christ. Guys, we did a whole ding-dang thing. What God damn it. This is by far one of the longer ones we recorded yeah, in a bit. this is a really Sorry. long one. Nope, not even that. It's the <laughs> I already knew it was going to be a long one when I was done. I'm like, oh, yeah, this like, feels long. I was like, oh, this is uh, over five pages. Which usually I stick to four. So I was like, whoops. Yeah. But there's a lot of info on them. It's fine. It just means I'll... I have a lot of bullshit. fun this weekend. We'll just... I'm just going to cut out all the fat. Trim the fat. I'm actually going to leave as many jokes as humanly possible, though, because this is a bummer, you guys. Yeah, this <laughs> this episode sucks. <laughs> I feel dead inside. Yeah. Right? Guys, don't do lynchings. Uh, all right. Yeah, well, guys, I mean, hey. Uh, PSA. Murdering. Inside. Don't do a murder. Go do some horror RPGs. Guys, don't do lynchings. Yeah, guys, hey. Just PSA. Stop murdering. Don't do a murder. All right. 
Well, thank you guys once again for joining us. Thanks for, for letting me crash, you guys. I wish yeah. I could say it was fun, but I'm dead inside. Yeah, I mean, thanks for... Isn't um, that how we always were? Yeah. You guys. Maybe. Oh, good. We brought it oh. to our level. Oh, ooh. Finally. It took long enough. It only took like six fucking episodes. God. Oh, Jesus Christ. All right. Well, um, a toast to James Cameron and to Paul Andrews. Bonk. Bonk. <laughs> We're all hitting our mics. Bonk. And uh, don't forget your can of water. Damn don't it. Don't forget your can of water, boy. Don't get it. I got to dip. Dip. Uh, uh, uh. Potato chip. Fuck you. Man.